Hello and welcome to the IBCD Care and Discipleship Podcast. This week's episode is part two of Christina Henson's interview with Daylin Romo, who many of you know as Danielle from the IBCD Observation videos. If you missed part one, you probably want to go back and listen to that first. It can be found at ibcd.org slash cdcpodcast. Now let's jump back in to hear more of Daylin's story. So what would you say to someone who's watching the videos and is struggling like Danielle in the midst of that, feeling those things um, in real time or or to a counselor um, who would be counseling a woman that like Danielle? Yeah. What would you say to them? Is there hope? Oh, yeah. There's lots of hope. I would say that if you can grab onto somebody who is safe, that can lead you through the word. Uh, I think at that point, for me, and I imagine it's true for many others, the word on its own can be a very daunting, confusing place. And even, and I don't even think I tried to read it much. I think in my mind, I, I just said, this is confusing and it doesn't make any sense. And I wouldn't even open it. So it wasn't even that I, I opened it and it actually was confusing. Um, although pieces of it are, uh, I just, I didn't even want to try. So if, if you can have hope that the word really can give you answers and that there are many willing people willing to sit with you and listen to you and not be judgmental. I think that was something that was so sweet coming from Caroline, you know, in my critical way of thinking that everybody is looking at me and they're thinking, wow, Danielle is just getting fatter and fatter. Caroline's looking at me, like, thinking, how could you say that? I, that is not, that is the farthest thing from my thoughts when I look at you. And so to hear that as a counselee, I think, is really helpful. Um, so you want to find people that are looking at internal characteristics and that can walk you through the word and give you scripture and pray for you, even when you're mean and nasty to him. And then what about for a counselor? Would you have any advice give them for them? Lots of scripture and make them read it. I think that was a really key thing was, I mean, right away, Caroline was opening up the word and asking me if I had my Bible and would I read. Um, and I hope I portrayed that that was the last thing that Danielle really wanted to do was open her Bible and to actually read. Um, but that she did, and I think that makes a real difference in how they hear it. Is it's, in, it's in their Bible that they have, that they can go home with it, and they can reread it again, that it's still going to be there, and that you're hearing yourself say probably the exact opposite of what you've been telling yourself for however long. So I would encourage counselors to know verses to go to, to really be fluent in the word so that you know where to go for all the different situations that might arise. Because you can't really plan for it. I mean, Caroline said that at the end of one of the the videos that she thought it was going to go in one direction and it ended up going in a totally different direction. So 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 it wasn't scripted. Caroline Caroline didn't know what she was going to say necessarily before she said it. No. Yeah, no, there's no script. I'm not even sure if Caroline was that in tune 
with the real issue. I think it was Craig and I talked about it more so, so that it was more raw and real when, you know, whatever direction we took it. Yeah, Caroline just did it off the cuff. <laughs> I am curious, like, what what the filming process was like. Um, I mean, what was it like just being there and doing it? Well, it was... Um, yeah, I've never done anything like that before. I had my youngest daughter there with me. So there were a few times where you could kind of hear little whimpers in the background <laughs> of her. Uh, and Craig faithfully watched her, <laughs> held her the whole time. Um, it, was, it, was, it was interesting because Caroline and I, we, we knew each other. Um, but it wasn't, we weren't necessarily close by any means. But you're coming in and you're having to act out a scenario that's not real at the moment by any means. Yeah, and being mean to Caroline is really hard. <laughs> so uh, I just had to really put myself in, back into my journals and think I'm going to kind of forego all the, you know, the times where Arya would cry and we'd have to stop it. And, and it would be right in the middle of, like, this really great crying scene. And then I'd have to start up again. <laughs> that was hard. Um, it was really, it was a good experience, though. And it was nice as it progressed to getting better and better. You know, so that first session was definitely the most exhausting and hard emotionally and being in character. And then the next session got a little bit easier as my heart, as Danielle, got a little softer um, and then the third session, you know, all the more better. Cause I could be a little bit more like myself then. Um, and I didn't have to bring in a character that was five years or six years earlier. I could, you know, I could more so just be in the moment with Caroline and still remember that that struggle was there and that there's temptations, but that, um, that the Lord was working so it was good. By the end of the day, I, I remember Caroline and I talking. We were both exhausted. It was a really long day. I mean, that, it's lots of crying and lots of emotions get brought up when you think about the past. And then there can be lots of joy to think what the Lord has done and where he has brought you. But I was exhausted at the end of that day. It, it does sound like a very personal process. I'm curious, um, did you... Did you learn anything about yourself or, um, yeah, did this, did this experience going through this impact you? Yeah, I think it still is impactful. I mean, even just watching it a few nights ago, watching it, I can still see where food isn't the rut of any issue anymore, but I still find myself being judgmental of others and critical of myself and... Uh, not being in the Word as much as I know it's fruitful for me to be in the Word. So, you know, I after I read through all of my journals, I threw them all away. <laughs> I figured this counseling observation would be <laughs> memory enough of all of them because, you. I, I mean, I had loads of them. And I don't know, I go back and forth on thinking, would those be good things for my daughters to read through the whole pieces of them? Or would that be an unnecessary burden for them to read through all of the journals and all the mess, you know, that was in them. And I finally got rid of them 
realizing that the, you know, just coming to the conclusion that I don't have to dwell on all the pieces of the past, that I can, I know what the struggle was, and I know where the Lord has taken me from, and observation videos say a lot. The girls can watch that, you know, if they ever want to. Um, yeah, but that I don't have to, I don't have to store up all of the happenings of those times. They've been forgiven. They've been forgotten. Um, yeah, and the Lord lets us move on from those places. I'm about to start crying again. I did cry a few times when I watched your observation videos. and um... <laughs> There were pieces of it where I cried. Not when Danielle was crying, but I just cried at the bitterness of my heart because I knew that, that that hardness was real. And it's sad to watch. I would, yeah, it makes me pray for my girls very hard on a daily basis that that we can have an open relationship to talk. I would hate for them to have that hardness. But I also trust that if that's what the Lord takes them through, whichever way, that maybe, you know, that they're going to have their own struggles and that the Lord uses that for his glory. So I'll let him use whatever he wants to use. But that hard heart is really ugly. From that video, I will say Caroline and I have gotten very close, and that's been a huge blessing. That was something that was unexpected. You know, she was always just the pastor's wife, and you say hello to them in the hall, and they know your name because they know everyone's name. And so that was a real sweet blessing that came from it, is that we got to be much closer. Honestly, I think that's an experience that real counselees find as well, is that when they do open up to someone rather than it pushing someone away. Um, they gain a relationship, a friendship. So really good friends are few and far in between, you know, for a counselor to be someone's first true friend, it kind of teaches them how to be a better friend to other people. Um, because it's such a fruitful, meaningful hour of time where so much gets discussed and, um, you leave feeling lighter because something actually substantial was talked about as opposed to just hanging out with a girlfriend and you never get, you know, below the surface. One of the dangers that you kind of mentioned as we film these three session observation videos is not being able to show a time lapse. And you just alluded to um, seven years and... Um, maybe if you could just speak to that process. I mean, people that are watching this, they, they need to understand that it's a process, right? Right. Yeah, it's definitely a process. Well, and that's seven years of, so for the first three years, probably nobody knew about it. And then for the fourth year, you know, parents and siblings know about it. And, you know, encourage in their own way of how to get help and how to just stop. But they probably don't know the full extent of how bad it really is. And then you go, you know, and then at that point, that's when I could move out and be on my own. So then I could hide it from a whole new group of people. Um, but it's still a major issue. But it's not something that I'm willing to work on at the moment. And then family kind of comes back into the picture and realizes that it's still an issue. And they're all the more concerned because now they know that it's been going on for so much longer. 
So they're getting concerned health-wise um, about what's really happening. So, but they're, you know, family at that point is kind of at a loss because I've pushed them completely out. So I adopt other people as family. And then once those people find out about it, um, you know, they, I did do Christian counseling um, with somebody that they recommended, but it wasn't nearly as scripture-based as what IBCD does. Um, it was lots of just talking. You know, it was probably therapy with a Christian title in front of it, which I don't see any good taken specifically from that. You know, it was just a piece in the puzzle that the Lord had for getting me to where I ended up. You know, so you go through counseling and it doesn't do anything. And then, you know, the next year comes and you go through a, a church program that they have that doesn't do anything. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, the it might not be the first session of counseling that fixes the, the issue. Um, it's whatever the Lord deems necessary for him to get glory so yeah it's definitely a process and it might not be any counseling specifically you know for me it was getting pregnant and having already lost a baby before that and not knowing why but in my mind blaming it on not taking care of myself and not feeding that baby now when I had a husband we both wanted this baby and thinking it definitely is not just about me anymore. Like there has to be a change. If, if me not eating is going to be detrimental to this little life inside of me, and then it's going to crush my spouse <laughs> on top of you know everybody else that's involved. That was the, the thing that hit home for me. So what about someone who either knows or suspects a family member or friend um, is struggling with this, but they haven't yet had that conversation. It's not out in the open. What what would be the way you would suggest they should approach that? Or how would they know if it's even time to approach that? Yeah, it's really tricky. I mean, that's even being in the situation. Um, the reason everybody found out about mine was because uh, I got lazy. <laughs> I didn't want to hide it as well anymore. And so all the clues led up to someone keeps throwing up in the toilet. And when, you know, and that's where it becomes obvious. And then I think that's where somebody close to that person needs to step in and come lovingly and just say that, you know, I don't know if you can start it off, but you can say that we're, we want to help you and... <laughs> you're probably going to get a bad response back. I gave a bad response back. Because um, at that point, the person's just humiliated and embarrassed. But you press on. Um, I don't really know the right way to approach somebody about it or when the right time is. You know, if you let it go on too long, there can be serious consequences. And if you, you know, you approach somebody about it and it's actually not an issue, you might offend them. But I don't think that's really ever a case. I think if you're suspecting there's an issue, that there probably is some type of heart issue going on with that person. Or at least there's something that's amiss. I don't think you can read that really wrong. And if there really is nothing going on, 
um, and the person is well within their soul, they won't get offended. They'll look at you and appreciate somebody coming out of love to try to make sure that they're okay. Um, yeah, but I don't really know the right words or what, how about to go, you know, how to go about doing it the right way. I don't know if there really is a right way or not. You have to build relationships with people and then you just have to be bold and have a meaningful conversation with them. Was there ever someone that came to you in a way that looking back, you're like, that was the wrong way. Please don't do that. I can't remember. Nobody stands out. Um, I mean, people kind of walk on eggshells when, uh, at least for me during that time, because I was pretty mean to anybody who would want to talk about it. You know, I, I would deny it to their face, even if there was throw up in the toilet right next to me out of sheer preservation for myself I would do everything that I could to deny it and to make them feel as wrong about their assumption as possible so I don't yeah I don't I don't know if any way that anybody that approached me was necessarily wrong I just know that I'm I'm glad that it it didn't get ignored you know when I look at the when I'm at the end of it I wish that it had lasted 30 days as opposed to seven years or longer. I, I don't even know how long it specifically lasted, but you catch it at the start. So what about someone who is watching this video and knows a Danielle in their life that they want to be a friend to? How can they go about being a friend? I think being constant and not... Um, not in the sense of overbearing and, you know, constantly calling, you know, at every mealtime hour and just being like, I'm watching up on you or I'm thinking about you. That would probably push someone farther away. But I think just being constant in that you are going to be there for them, no matter what ugly sin, you know, the when the real truth comes out about how how really bad the sin is or how often they really throw up or, you know, what exactly they do to deprive themselves. Um, I think just to, to let the person know that you'll be there for them no matter what, I think that was comforting to hear from a few people. Um, and, and the word, I think if you can know the word and find scriptures that relate to the situation and to the lies that they might be telling you. I mean, that's when I would tell my parents or friends things that were things that I was thinking during that time. A lot of it was lies. And if they if they can come back with scripture that is saying what I am thinking is wrong, you know, changing the way that I think that there's another, that there's a, a better way to go about doing this. You know, the word, the word convicts the hearts of those who are ready to have their eyes opened by the Lord. And I think those, that, that it's powerful to not forget that the, the word is very powerful. And my sister wrote me letters with lots of scripture in it. And 
I thought she was being nosy and I didn't like it at all. And I probably was mean to her after her and her husband sent me that note. But I kept the note and I know that they are safe people to go to, that those would be people that stand out as someone who stepped out of the comfort zone and did something that they thought maybe I wouldn't like, but they did it anyway because they knew that the word was powerful. So I wasn't ready to receive it when they gave it, but it's something that I look back on and I cherish it now and it makes that relationship with that sister all the more sweet to me when I think that she really put herself out there to love on me. So I think it's a, you know, you have to remember to come from a place of being selfless, that even if they don't respond the way that you would like them to respond at the moment, who knows what the Lord might be doing in their life. And later on, maybe they'll recognize that you were really loving them. Thanks for listening to the IBCD Care and Discipleship Podcast. Be sure to check out our website for hundreds of resources to help you and the people in your church grow in one another care, including our observation videos, which are available in DVD and video on demand format. We're also excited to announce that the single set versions of all of our observation cases are going to be available at the Summer Institute this June. All of this information can be found in this episode's additional resources at ibcd.org slash cdcpodcast. Thanks for listening.